Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers more than ever, I promise you're absolutely in the right place. We have three amazing Game Changers today. Our buzz on the street is trust but verify. Let me try that in Russian. Let's see how bad my Russian is. Dover, yay, no prover, yay. Or Nover, Dover, yay, no prover, yay. These words were spoken by Ronald Reagan way back when translated from a Russian proverb. So what are we talking about? Social selling. Trust but verify. It is real social selling, social biz. It's out there. It's happening. But hey, if you're a doubter, if you want to be verifiable, you want to have it verified, how do we know? We've got some interesting numbers to shore up these facts. Number one, salespeople who are not using social media miss their quota 15% more often than their peers who do use social media and use it well. That's from HubSpot. You can look it up. Here's another factoid. Directors of companies with an SSI score greater than 70, and we'll explain that later in the show, were promoted 1.6 times faster to vice president, ooh, that sounds good on a business card, than those with an SSI score of less than 30 over the past two years. And that's a review of profile data on LinkedIn. Got to be true if it's on LinkedIn. Sounds great. Wow, you're saying, but guess what? Your entire sales organization and your sales leaders may still need to be convinced that they should internalize and adopt a selling and engagement strategy based on social. It's still new. It's still evolutionary. To some people, it's revolutionary, and they're not there yet. How can you make this happen? Well, let's think about starting from the very beginning, training the right kind of training and follow-up programs. Where should your company start if you think it's time, but everybody's not quite on board? Our three panelists are going to help you figure out a strategy to make this happen. Just let me give you an overview of who's joining me today. We have Barbara Giamanco, known to us as Barb, the head of Social Centered Selling. Delighted to have her back joining her on the panel Mario M. Martinez, Jr., CEO of M3JR Growth Strategies, LLC. Always a pleasure to have Mario and his great energy he brings to the show. And Kirsten Boylo, my colleague at SAP. She's a director of the Director of Digital Startup. She leads the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. And by the way, part one of this topic was a few weeks ago on Kirsten's series called what else? Social selling with game changers. So let's get started. I'd like to introduce first up Barb Giamanco. And Barb has sent me a wonderful quote from Sun Tzu or Sun Zhu, however you want to pronounce it, S-U-N-T-S-U. He was an ancient Chinese military strategist, a Chinese general, a tactician, and that's what we're talking about today, strategy and tactics. He's a philosopher also who lived in the spring and autumn period of ancient China. And if you're looking for numbers... 544 B.C. to 496 B.C. That's right. We started with the bigger numbers and went to the smaller. He's credited as the author of The Art of War, an influential work of military strategy that has affected both Western and Eastern philosophies. His birth name, by the way, was Sun Wu, W. Wu, and his honorary name now, Sun Zhu, T-S-U or T-Z-U, means Master Sun. Here is the quote. You might want to write this one down. 
Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Strategy without tactics without strategy, let's flip this around, is the noise before defeat. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Barb Giamanco, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me join you today. Oh, we are delighted. You've been on so many of our Game Changer shows. You're always such a valuable participant, Barb. So tell me, are you a follower, a studier, a student of Sunju, however you pronounce it, and his teachings way back from when? I am, as a matter of fact. And, of course, I read Art of War long, long time ago. I don't even remember when I first read it. And every now and again, I pull it out. It's sitting right here on my bookshelf. Wow, wow, that's interesting. Is it a Kindle copy? Is it a hard copy? What, what would Sancho be, be thrilled to know that uh, has he entered the digital age? <laughs> now he's on Kindle. Uh, no, actually, this is, a, this is a hardback copy that I have had with me for years. I am very impressed. So tell me, how does that relate to our topic? We're talking about adopting social selling, strategy, tactics. Where does it all come together for a company that thinks they want to do it, Barb, but they're not quite sure why or how? Sure. Well, the reason why this quote really jumped out for me, Bonnie, is as you know, as does Kirsten, and of course I had the opportunity with pleasure to meet Mario today, uh, I have said from the very beginning that the way to be successful is to start with a strategy. And unfortunately, what I see a lot of sellers doing, and their sales leaders let them, is they start with tactics. So really, you've got to have both. So you've got to have a great strategy. You must also have specific tactics that help support and drive that strategy forward. But if you start with the tactics and you don't have a plan, then without question, you're going to flounder and eventually fail. So that's the noise before the defeat if you don't do that first. Very interesting, Barb. Do you find a lot of companies in in your travels, in in your work at Social Centered Selling, do you find a lot of companies are curious, but they're still standing on the sidelines and saying, eh, not so sure. Yeah, it sounds kind of millennial. What do they say? <laughs> well, I think we see less than that. As you know, I got into this very, very early on. And so certainly when I was evangelizing this five, six, seven years ago, people were very hesitant and saying, sure, I don't really see how that's going to have impact. I think that's less true today. Although I spoke in an association event uh, with sales leaders Monday night, and there were a fair number in the audience who, you know, admitted they were boomers and, and wondered if it was really more the millennial game, of course. You know my belief on that. No, it's not. Anybody who wants to learn something new certainly can. Uh, so there are, there's still some resistance, I think, but certainly less so than what I've seen in the past. Very interesting. So it's, we're making progress. Good. Thank you, Barb, and always a pleasure Thank to you. have you on the show. Delighted. And let's talk to you. just invoked Mario Martinez. He has an M for his middle initial, as I said. He's the CEO of M3JR. Growth Strategies, LLC. And Mario's brought me a quote from a fascinating man I didn't know anything about. Mario, I got a little education today. It's Marshall Goldsmith. If those of you have never heard the name, well, he's still with us. He was born in 1949. He's an American leadership coach and author of management-related literature. Now, in case you're wondering, author sounds kind of vague. Maybe he wrote a book or two. No. Mr. Goldsmith is the author or co-editor of 32 books, including the one we're talking about today. Actually, the quote Mario sent me, what got you here won't get you there. It is a book that was a New York Times bestseller, a Wall Street Journal number one business book, and winner of the Harold Longman Award as the best business book of the year. The Harvard Business School has 
has recommended six of Marshall Goldsmith's books in their Working Knowledge series. And I'd like to read uh, just a bit of the review. I think I have it here. Yes, um, there he is called America's Most Sought-After Executive Coach. And in the book, Mario, may I read a little bit of the review from Amazon? I think it's fascinating. Is that okay with you? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The corporate world is filled with executives who have worked hard for years to reach the upper levels of management. They're intelligent, skilled, and even charismatic, but only a handful will ever reach the pinnacle. As executive coach Marshall Goldsmith shows in this book, subtle nuances make all the difference. These are small transactional flaws performed by one person against another. It could be as simple as not saying thank you enough. These lead to negative perceptions that can hold any executive back. Using Goldsmith's straightforward, jargon-free advice, it's amazingly easy behavior to change. In the comments, is executives who hire him for one-on-one coaching pay $250,000 for the privilege. With this book, his help is available for one ten-thousandth of the price. So the quote from Mario is the title of Mr. Goldsmith's book. How appropriate. What got you here won't get you there. Mario, welcome back. How have you been? I'm doing fabulous, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me with uh, you guys and these wonderful, amazing other ladies as well in addition to yourself, of course. Uh, Thank you. Always the flatterer. Now, now tell me something. How many times have you read this book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There? And and what are your thoughts on how it relates to our topic of adopting social selling programs in companies? Great question. I actually only read it once. However, I pick it up all the time and pull out clips and information from the chapter, excuse me for that clear my throat there, from the chapter because it's so applicable. This, this is a leadership book, and it's, it's really about uh, helping leaders who've made it into management or gone from manager to director, director to VP, and, then, and they're growing their career. And it's helping them to understand how to get themselves to the next level and what are the essential skills. Um, and actually, this book was given to me by a former leader of mine um, who thought I needed some improvement in some certain areas. Uh, it was true. You, you, you. <laughs> after I you took w- time to read it, I, at first I was offended by it, but then afterwards I was like, this is, this is very applicable um, to me personally as from personal growth development. But <clears throat> what I love about this book is that um, it, 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 the title, I use this title all the time from Marshall Goldsmith, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And while this is very applicable to leadership, it is very applicable to sales and what is happening in the industry right now. And so to answer your question of <clears throat> how does it apply, um, there's a specific quote here, and I, I, I don't even know what, God, I feel horrible at this, because we, we read e-books now. I don't even read hardbound books, but I have a hardback book here, and I think it's, it's called The Inner Binding uh, on, the, on the front cover. And it says, whether you're near the top of this ladder or still have, have a ways to climb, this book serves as an essential guide to help you eliminate your dysfunctions and move to where you want to go. And so if you look at some of the challenges that sales organizations are facing today, most sales leaders, especially at the 40 years and older, which is my age and older, we were trained on how to go about doing selling, the traditional methodology, and we don't understand how to connect with today's modern buyer who's digitally, socially, and mobile-enabled. And so this book is so applicable because it really helps you to stop thinking um, about the way you used to do things and help you to move forward to where you want to go. Uh, and I, I love this part here where Marshall talks about in his book. Someone was talking about, oh, the good old days, and this is the way we did it. This is why I do it this way. And he says here, when someone told him that, 
He reached into his pocket for a coin. He said, here's a quarter. And he said, call someone who cares. (laughs) This this is like so, like if anybody wants to understand um, uh, how to move into the next age of selling and why and how to remove the dysfunctional thoughts that you may have, uh, and I'm not saying the cold call is dead, but the dysfunctional thoughts you may have that we shouldn't adopt this because it's going to affect our productivity, then this is a great book to be able to read. Wow, thank you very much. Mario, while you were talking, I was trying to find that quote you're interested in, you mentioned, uh, whether you're near the top of this ladder, and I put that in Google, and I got 15 ads for ladder companies. <laughs> but 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 wait a minute, but it gets better. Then I put in front of it, leadership advice, colon, whether you're near the top of this ladder, and guess what? Marshall Goldsmith came up as number four on the list. The first one was for leadership. Do you need a ladder or a compass? That's a Huffington Post article from August 2015. Then I got my domain home, whatever that is, leadership advice from five women at the top of their game. Then I got from Forbes, 16 leadership quotes to inspire you to greatness. And number four, what got you here won't get you there. Marshall Goldsmith, 20 bad habits of leaders and seven steps to change for the better, whether you're near the top of the ladder or still have room to climb. So there we are. Very interesting. Thank you for the uh, the privilege of searching for that. I, I really like that. Thank you, Mario. Great explanation. You're welcome. And now let's bring up our third panelist. Of course, she's here. The topic is social selling. We couldn't do a show on that without her. It's Kirsten <laughs> Boyleau, Director of Digital Startup, leading SAP social business and social selling initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. And Kirsten has dug way back in history for her quote. It comes from Plato, who was a philosopher in classical Greece and the founder of the Academy in Athens that was the first institution of higher learning in the Western world. And interesting factoid, according to Wikipedia, unlike nearly all of his philosophical contemporaries, Plato's entire oeuvre, which is the French word for work, his entire body of work, is believed to have survived intact for over 2,400 years. That's a bravo for Plato. He wouldn't even imagine how we still know about him today, but here we are. Here is the quote Kirsten has picked, and this is a classic. Human behavior flows from three main sources, desire, emotion, and knowledge. Beautiful quote. Kirsten, how have you been? I have been very wonderful, traveling a lot and happy to be home now for a few weeks. So, yes. Well, happy. We're good. happy you're home in one place. We don't care where you call from. Just call in on time and be on the show. <laughs> Kirsten, I, I have to thank you for allowing me to move this topic from your series, Social Selling with Game Changers, over here to our flagship show, Coffee Break. I thought we would address this and get it out to a different audience, a broader audience, who certainly might not know about the other series, but now they do. So, Kirsten, tell me, do you have any of Plato's books on your shelf or in your Kindle? And how did you come to pick such a beautiful quote? Um, I, I do not have any books of Plato. No, I'm sorry to, to say. Um, I, found, I stumbled across this one a little while ago, and it, it really kind of speaks to what I do within SAP, which is training and enablement on social selling. I, that's what I focus on. And often I, you know, I get a lot of pushback from, from sales teams, from sales leadership. And, and so this is kind of what I'm trying to base my approach on is, you know, appealing to their desire to to be better at their job to to be good leaders to um, move their 
uh, their teams into the right direction to appeal to their emotions in terms of you know where they how, what they want to achieve and and how they want to be recognized for what they're achieving, and then giving them the knowledge to to be able to do that. Um, how to how to digitally transform themselves and their teams to to really. Um, be part of what's happening at SAP and what's happening across the globe. Kirsten, let me ask you the same question I asked Barb a few minutes ago. Do you see more social selling adoption? Do you see more companies getting off of that perch they're sitting on as sideline observers as saying, ah, it's for millennials, we have an older sales force, they don't have to do it. Uh, going back to Mario's comments, cold calling is still alive and well, but maybe not so much with certain segments of the consumers, of consumer buying population, of the B2B buying population. What's your thought? Are more companies getting on board? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a huge proliferation of new consultants, new training companies coming on board, jumping on the social selling bandwagon, um, and they wouldn't be there if there wasn't the demand for, um, <clears throat> for that kind of, of enablement and training. Uh, in regards to your question around, you know, millennials versus um, more senior sales uh, executives, interestingly enough, you know, I, I think from a social selling standpoint, we have to, to address it from both sides. The, um, the millennials are digitally native and they understand the technology where they might um, be more lacking is in, you know, how to build relationships in a business context. They get social from a, from a very personal standpoint. It's how they communicate with their friends and, uh, and family. It's not necessarily how they think about communicating in a business context, and so they, they need to understand that part. On the other end of the spectrum, the more senior sales executives, they understand how to build relationships in a business context. We're just giving them a brand new platform, and they have to understand, and they, you know, they need more time to, to adopt the technology, but they get it from a relationship standpoint. And so um, it's... It, when you're doing training enablement, you have to address both sides. And, and so I, I think that um, it's not necessarily just a, um, a, you know, that young talent, early talent um, thing to, to adopt for sure. Thank you very much, Kirsten. Very, very interesting. Let's circle back to Barb Giamanco. Since it's been a little while since we've spoken, Barb, I'd like to know, what are you drinking today? I probably could go back in my notes and see what you've been drinking on all of our other shows, but what are you drinking? What's powering up your social selling, your, your social selling energy as a guru? What, what keeps you going? <laughs> Well, thanks for that. What really keeps me going is my is my girl Lily. She's a she's a black lab boxer mix. But in terms of what I'm <laughs> drinking today, since I'm on the uh, since I'm on the East Coast, I've already had my Seattle's best decaf coffee, and so I am drinking my power drink, which is a big tall glass of water with lemon. Oh, I like that. Have you, do you ever switch to lime during the summer for a slightly different flavor, or is it, are you still a lemon lemon lady? Well, you know, I use lime when it's when it's uh, it's when the water has gas. You know what I mean? When it's sparkling water, um, I like to add lime. But when it's just plain water, I like lemon. I like that very much. Thank you very much, Mario Martinez Jr. What are you drinking? Where are you today? I'm in the very warm and hot uh, San Francisco Bay Area, right out of San Francisco in the Walnut Creek, uh, in the city. Of, well, actually, in the city of Lafayette, which is right next to Walnut Creek. Most people know that. 
and what am I drinking today? I have two things, actually, not in hand, but sitting right here on my desk. One of them is the Wake Up Power Drink. Um, it's green. I could definitely taste melon and some pineapple. But I cannot tell you well this is inside it because my beautiful, amazing wife, Shauna, brought it to me while we were on this call, and she put something inside there which tastes very good. So all I can tell you, it's green and it's frothy. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably very, very healthy. I think she knows you very well. You need something to power you for our live conversations. Thank you, Mario, and and shout out to your wife for keeping you in good, refreshing, and healthy drinks. We appreciate that. You're welcome, dear. (laughs) He's so charming. Kirsten, are you back in Waterloo or not? And what are you drinking today? I am in Waterloo. I've been in uh, Switzerland, Germany, and Spain over the last couple of weeks, so I'm back to to Waterloo um, and happy to be here. Beautiful weather these last few days. It's been nice. Um, I am drinking very similar to to Barb. I am drinking lemon water, and I also have a cup of uh, jasmine green tea. Oh, nice. And do you put anything in that jasmine green tea? Any, Any additives or just straight? Just straight. Sometimes I might add a little bit of honey, but today it's just just straight. Sounds very, very good. And as you all know, I'm drinking water from a cool, clear mug, and I have a yellow straw in celebration of the sunshine here. I'm on the north shore of Long Island in New York, and it is a gorgeous day here. I see a couple of white, fluffy clouds. I don't know whether they're cumulus or cirrus, but they're interesting looking, mostly blue skies. It's kind of warm, and the little seeds I planted about 10 days ago are coming up in the flower boxes on my terrace. Looks like we're going to have a lot of marigolds and basil and petunia and mixed wild wildflowers. I cannot wait. Marigolds are leading there, about three inches tall already. Woohoo for marigolds. Okay, <laughs> enough said about personal interests here. You are listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you're keeping track, I am. This is episode number 236. We started this on October 5th, 2011, and going strong. This is our flagship series, and if you're just joining us today, we have 22 other series under the Game Changers banner, all presented by SAP. We are pure thought leadership. We're here to share with you the insights, the expertise, the passions, the engagement, and the powerful smarts of thought leaders from around the world on a wide range of topics. Coffee Break is our flagship show, so we bring a lot of topics from our other theme series here so that we can put them out to the biggest, broadest audience. Last year, we want to thank last year, 200,000 of you around the world tuned in either live or on demand to one or more of our Game Changers radio shows. You're located in over a thousand places around the world, and we say thank you. We're here for you. Enough of the pitch. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, and we're going to get back with a roundtable. We already have started it, but we're going to dig deep into the topic of social selling adoption, how to make it happen from our three very, very smart gurus. I think that's an an oxymoron. It's redundant. It's just redundant. If they're gurus, of course they're smart. Barb Giamanco, Mario M. Martinez, Jr., and Kirsten Boylo. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Justin, out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed, we are back. I hope you're drinking something refreshing. We certainly are. I'm very pleased and privileged to be speaking today with Barbara Giamanco, Head of Social Centered Selling, Mario M. Martinez, Jr., CEO of M3JR, Growth Strategies, LLC, and, of course, Kirsten Boylow, Director of Digital Startup at SAP. We're talking about social selling adoption, how to make it happen. If your company's on the sidelines, you're kind of scratching your head and saying, gee, that sounds really cool, but I have no idea where to start. That's why you're listening to us today. We're going to start the roundtable, the formal roundtable here with Barb Giamanco. We're going to talk about, let's see, her notes say, to drive adoption inside your company, you need an organizational strategy. Let me just read a couple from her list and then Barb will expand. She says you need buyer personas. You need to figure out how you're going to message, how you will reach them, and what channels you will use. And Barb will continue. So go ahead, Barb. What does this all mean? Well, you know, kind of building off the quote that I uh, used, Bonnie, so many organizations start with jumping straight to tactics, and we'll probably get into it and talk about this, but, you know, hiring somebody to come in and do a, a quick hit LinkedIn training as one example to check off the box at the kickoff meeting isn't going to cut it. In order for this to really work, and I'm sure Kirsten can speak to this because I've heard her speak often about um, how she's driving strategy in the organization, you've got to start by thinking about what are the buyer characteristics and what's the right message? What do they care about? How will you reach them? What are the appropriate channels to use? How will you measure and track and what will you measure and track? All these things are super important. And then as I think about getting an organization ready, and by the way, I believe the strategy is crafted between sales, sales enablement, and marketing. Uh, need to all come to the table uh, around this. And I think when you're doing the assessment and getting yourself ready, there are questions you have to ask yourself. I mean, we were talking about um, Marshall Goldsmith's book, which I love, right? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same result, and that's essentially what he's saying. So when you're doing the assessment and you're planning the strategy, I think you have to be asking questions like, are we really prepared to stay the course? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, do we understand that change takes a lot of time? Do we have the right processes to support the strategy? Do we have the right people who are willing to adapt and learn new skills? Uh, then what are we going to do in terms of the training and what reinforcement mechanisms are we going to put in place? And so when I think about this in the context of social selling, Bonnie, I don't think it's any different than any other training initiative you'd want to bring inside an organization, and the same problems exist. It's often and uh, let's just bring somebody in to do a training on XYZ methodology, but the bigger picture and the reinforcement and the other things aren't there. And then couple this with the fact that operating in the social world, you re- it's, it's a change in mindset. You really have to think differently. And I love what Kirsten said because she's so spot on. Millennials do understand the digital, and they don't yet have all the business and, you know, um, business experience and the relationship building experience yet. Conversely, I think those who are a little bit older and more experienced, they can absolutely learn the new technology if they want to. And so the other thing I would say as part of your strategy is that why don't we get cross-mentoring going on between the two camps, right? I think there's a ton of value in what that can do for the company. Very interesting. A lot on the table. Thank you, Barb. Good start to our formal roundtable. Mario and Martinez Jr. love to have your nickel or dime or $2 worth. What do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, Barb, Barb is uh, definitely absolutely right um, on multiple facets um, of what she commented on. It, it definitely starts with a strategy, um, and that's exactly what <clears throat> I try to um, train, teach, and develop with um, organizations is really understanding what you're trying to accomplish and what is broken that you're trying to fix so that you can apply a strategy around that and then um, bring in all the other elements that are required to be able to launch a successful program. So most sales leaders are always concerned about one thing, which is is, um, can you prove out an ROI and how fast can you do it? Um, and I always tell people this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but that having been said, you have to be able to show quick successes. Um, and so focusing in on the areas that you can focus on immediately um, to drive um, uh, a change in the organization as well as drive adoption and, more importantly, to drive results is, I think, is very quick. And it starts out with one of those um, items that um, Barb had mentioned, which is the buyer personas. <clears throat> Part of me. I'm working on I don't know why it is, Bonnie. Every time I get on this call, yeah, I have a cold. <laughs> but I've got a cold again. Um, but uh, it, it starts out with the buyer's personas, and you really have to take the time to map those profiles, the social profiles, to, a, um, uh, to the buyer's journey. Um, the other thing, though, I would say that's important to understand when looking at how to drive the adoption inside of the company um, is. You know, there's this discussion about who owns social selling, um, mm-hmm. and um, it does require many different groups to be involved. But ultimately, in my opinion, coming from a VP of sales hat, it squarely rests on the sales leaders to um, own this. And we can go into more topics about why, but the net of it is nobody else owns today in the organization sales prospecting. Uh, and that is what, in my opinion, social selling is. It is a methodology <clears throat> by which you can attract your buyers to create opportunities to um, meet and, and, and uh, um, create opportunities within, within the organization. And that is, to me, sales prospecting. And so, ultimately, 
that has to start with the sales leaders. And to Barb's point about, you know, Marshall Goldsmith's, what got you here won't get you there. That's the thing that I see most is that sales leaders, it's not the individuals, it's not millennials, it's not the baby boomers that are the problem. It's the sales leaders. And I hear this far too often, and I'll stop here, which is, yeah, but if I implement this right now, um, it's probably going to slow down my sales and um, uh, my prospecting that I have right now in the funnel, and I don't want to do that. And that, to me, is so back, such backwards thinking, um, and exactly as, as, as Barbara mentioned and, the, and Marshall Goldsmith in terms of leadership development, what got you here won't get you there. So I'll stop there. Very appropriate. I'm, I'm glad you took his quote and, and applied it to social selling adoption and not just ladder climbing, whatever kind of ladder you're buying within a company. <laughs> We're talking now about the adoption and the adaptation and adapting to the social selling mindset and change management. Really good stuff come up, came up so far. Kirsten Boyleau, love to have you join us. Thoughts on what Barbara started and Mario expanded on, please. Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to overall organizational strategy, it is a a super important piece. It really is the place you need to start, and then you have to apply the tactics to that, just as as, um, Barb mentioned in her overall quote, Uh, because with you know, as we've seen, without without a strategy, you can't get it very far. Without a without tactics, um, you have nowhere to go. Um, so, <laughs> I think that that's a big piece of it. And then when it comes to, um, you know, all of those different pieces, and I, I like what what Mario was saying about you know the the, the sales management, um, their backwards thinking in terms of you know feeling like they're going to be slowed down by adopting a new a new. Uh, way of behaving and and I think if you can have those success stories in your back pocket to say look we've actually seen in other companies that um, or even in your own company that, that those those who adopt social selling are actually closing deals faster and so when you know once you close the deal then you can move on to the next one and that kind of thing so you know being able to actually close more deals in a year um, by using social selling techniques because you're accelerating that pipeline uh, I think you can if you can show show that kind of thing it comes back to what I said about that that um, desire and emotion and, and the knowledge on how to do it you know giving showing them the desire the, the things that are desirable about um, social selling the you know moving things along the pipeline faster and and having better and closer relationships with your with your customers and prospects those things are very very desirable and and you know hitting them where it, where it hurts where in terms of you know if you if you know the all of the industry statistics around how the buyer journey is changing and 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 why we need to adopt these things um, to be able to to meet those new buyer needs and the new buyer journey uh, you really hit those those two pieces and then you can give them the knowledge and I don't think knowledge is just uh, as um, Barb mentioned it's not just that you know tick it off the box and we've done social selling training um, because if social selling was just about a tool or if any training was just about a tool, a one-time training is pretty much all you need. But we're talking about changing behavior, um, modifying the way people do business, and that requires you know, lots of follow-up and lots of um, uh, incentives in terms of you know, getting people to move along the journey. And it, again, it's, not, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You can't just expect that you know, between now and um, the end of July, you're going to uh, spend some time on social selling and then you'll be done and, and that's it. 
and you'll know how to do it. it there's always things are evolving. The, the, the platforms themselves are always evolving, and so you have to change with them. You, new new tactics, uh, tactics and new techniques are available to you, new ways to do things, um, new filters that you can use. All of those kinds of things are all available to you, and, and so you know, constantly um, looking at the way you're doing things, uh, looking at new best practices that you can employ, all of those things are, are great ways to, to keep that learning going and keep that changing uh, behavior happening. Thank you, Kirsten. I'm going to ask you a question and go around the table. And, Barb, I'll have you wrap up this topic before we move to one of Mario's. My question is, Kirsten used the word constantly, constantly changing the platforms, the tools, what you do, how you do it. Is there an excitement when a company or even a couple of people within a company say, yes, we're going to move toward, we're going to change, we're going to adopt and adapt to social selling? Is there an excitement that makes them want to be online 24 hours a day, Kirsten? Do you find this kind of a newbie excitement (laughs) where they say, wow, I didn't know LinkedIn could be such a great sales tool. OMG, Facebook for business. Who knew? Wow, Twitter for business. This is the greatest thing since, I don't know, sliced sliced raisin bread, whatever. Do you see here an excitement when you work with people on this, Kirsten? I do. I really do. And you, and um, especially in that, you know, that first few weeks, they, they get so excited about what they can do and how they can do it and the insights that they can get and the way that they can reach out to, to new people and, and build their networks and that kind of thing. And then after a few weeks, you see um, people say, okay, I've spent way too much time on this. I'm, I'm neglecting other things. I need to find that balance. Um, and I always say, you know what, you're going to be excited about it at the very beginning and you're going to spend a lot of time on it, but Make sure that you don't neglect everything else because it is just one way of, of um, you know, doing your job. It is a new way, and so it's interesting and exciting, and there's all kinds of fun stuff, but it really is just one way of doing your job. So make sure that you, you know, spend the time to learn it, but figure out how to incorporate it into your everyday activities so that it doesn't, be, doesn't overwhelm everything else. Thank you very much. Barbara Giamanco, I have the same question for you. Do you see an excitement, almost a euphoria, a eureka moment that goes on for days and days and causes sleeplessness and, wow, when am I going to take a break? I don't want to. Do you see this excitement, Barb? Well, you know, I think it depends on the organization. I, I think in, in some organizations, yes, people are excited right away, and then the reality of what they're really expected to do and the many conference calls booking up on their calendar starts to slow things down a little bit. But I think the ones that, you know, I think the, the sellers that really kind of get that this can help drive their business forward, uh, they, they stick with it. And then, you know, as happens in sales organizations, because we are a competitive lot, then when others start to see peers getting, uh, you know, success, they, they start to follow along. I think what I wanted to do right here, Bonnie, was just close for a second with a thought mm-hmm. based on, on what Mario said about you know, um, in talking to sales leaders and, and, and they say, that, oh, we can't really do this because it'll slow sales down. Well, that's mm-hmm. just a big darn fat excuse because, pardon me, uh, CSO <laughs> Insights is saying that again this year, roughly 50% of sales organizations out there are not going to make quota. So it's a little bit ironic, isn't it? They're not going to make quota. Um, mm-hmm. They say that one of their number one challenges is they need more leads in the pipe, and yet they're unwilling to take a look at a new opportunity that could help them. And so that's, uh, you know, I think that's just fear of change, quite honestly. Yes. But what I hope is anybody listening to this kind of takes that to heart. Again, what you've been doing isn't working. So what do you got to lose in trying something new that we do know works? 
Exactly. I think there's a little ego in there too, Barb. Don't you think people sure. have been doing it the same way for years? Say, well, I'll figure it out. It's broken, but you know, I'm smart enough. I have the experience. I'm a leader in my, I've been making my quota for 20 years and now, well, this is just a little negative blip on my, on my chart. So I bet totally there's agree. a lot of pride and ego involved. I don't have to try anything new like that, young ones. I can, I can make it work. So there, but thank you, Barb. Mario, I just want to get your two cents on the excitement part before we move to something very important from your notes. Mario, are people excited and euphoric about this when they first find out how powerful social selling can be? Yeah, <clears throat> I was absolutely without a doubt. And actually, that is something that I try to play on. Um, and I don't mean it in a, in a um, negative way, but th- uh, there's something I call sustainable sales excitement. And I want to have that excitement that you're talking about. And people are like, oh, this is cool. This is the new and latest and greatest. I can do this. I didn't know. You want to continue that, and you want that to keep going. You don't want that to end, and that's that sustainable sales excitement. So how do you do it? And this is where it's very important when working with the leadership team, the sales enablement, the marketing team. <clears throat> there are three things, in my opinion, that creates that sustainable sales excitement because if it's sustainable and it's coming from sales and they're excited, they're going to keep doing it, and hopefully they'll do it the right way as long as they're trained the right way. And you don't want it to taper off. You don't want it to die off. So the three things that I teach and I talk about are to create that sustainable sales excitement is create buyer-centric profiles. And when you do that, a rep, without a doubt, anytime you get a fancy new car, the new BMW, the new whatever, you want to drive it around and you want to show it off. This is no different than the regular common salesperson who gets a brand new LinkedIn profile that has been totally redone, this map to the buyer's journey that has all the multimedia and, and, and uh, embedded into their keyword optimized so they can be found. Like, I have seen salespeople like, oh, my God, this is so awesome, and they want to show it off, right? So that's number one. Number two, you have to show them something that's tangible they can immediately start going after. And when I take, <clears throat> take um, salespeople and I say, give me somebody in your network that's your competition, we open up their profiles. Without a doubt, there's at least, out of one out of five people that we look at, there's at least one person who has their profile opened up. And we are able to see who their new connections are and who their prospects are that they're going after. And by golly, I'm okay with, with teaching people how to do that. And if I can show you that this is a methodology by which you can see who your competition is calling on, by all means, that's going to create sustainable sales excitement. They're going to be looking at that and figuring out how can I leverage that and go after those same types of prospects. And then the third thing is I definitely spend time with the sales leaders to bring them into the mind of the, new, of the modern buyer. And, and I think the sales leaders, I was there, I was there six months ago. We, we, we lose touch with, with that concept uh, and because we're so immersed into the administration part of our, of our roles that, uh, the, and the training part or the coaching part of our roles that we forget that the most important thing that we as sales leaders need to do is think like the buyer. And if you do those three things, you can create sustainable sales excitement. And what you're talking about, that euphoria, will continue yes. to last in a, in a good way. Thank you very much, Mario. And while I have you, I have something here in your notes. You, you uh, like true and false statements, and I have an interesting one here. So while we're talking about sales reps in the new world of social selling, let's try this one on for size. I'll have you give a brief answer, and then we will see if Kirsten and Barbara agree or disagree. You say social selling sales reps need to develop as thought leaders and content curators, question mark, true or false. And your answer is 
false. Mario, very provocative. Everybody's supposed to be a thought leader today and a content curator. Why does this not apply to social selling sales reps? Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Um, Jill Rowley, actually, a friend of mine um, who everybody knows also in social selling, wrote an article on this. And I agree with some of the points that she mentioned. But fundamentally, uh, this is an area that I spend time on that, uh, quite frankly, um, salespeople should not be should not be um, trained to become thought leaders. Now, uh, now, if it happens along the way, and there are prime examples of those things happening that <clears throat> people have entered into our world that literally have become a thought leader as a result of what they've done from personal branding, well, great, phenomenal, that, that's okay if that happens on the journey. But what you're focused on and what a, a training organization should be focused on is helping them to develop as influencers of their network, not thought leaders. And, and, and when we think of the word thought leader, it's, you know, it's the, the folks that have the, the, the massive influence you're trying to spread far and wide. That, that, that's what we're talking about in terms of thought leader. Um, if you want to myopically focus that, that term into just within their network, fine, call them a thought leader. But I like to focus it on as an influencer within their network. Salespeople are already influencing the buying cycle through the traditional methodologies of how they go about prospecting and closing deals. Tomorrow or today, <laughs> depending on when you adopt social selling, but you're going to add this, 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 this uh, new way of, of prospecting and building relationships with your buyers. And if you do that, then your goal is, is as you bring them into your network, you have to feed them. And if you feed them, you have to influence, you're going to try to influence them. Uh, and so that's where I, I believe that um, uh, trainers, um, individuals, sales leaders, uh, we don't want them curating content every day. We don't want them coming up with their own stuff. They can certainly recurate. They can certainly curate if they want. But the goal and objective is how can I influence my network through other people's content, maybe my own content, uh, and or um, uh, through content that may be um, being shared by created by the company. So those are the, those are the different methodologies. So I think it's false. They're not. They shouldn't be. be uh, the objective should not be to become thought leaders. They should become influencers of their network. Powerful point of view there, and thank you for citing Jill. Jill was going to join us, but she has a hectic travel schedule this week, so uh, we do a shout-out to Jill Rowley. Always welcome to be on Game Changers. Kirsten, love to get your thoughts. True, false, where do you sit on this one? I, I would agree. I, I think when we in the early days when I started talking about social selling, I did talk about you know sales reps becoming thought leaders, but as that, that um, you know, um, the definition of thought leadership has really kind of really been brought home to me. I understand that it's not really, you know, I'm not really talking about being uh, sales reps, being thought leaders, because that really is reserved for people who are, are um, you know, kind of the highest executive levels, to my mm-hmm. mind, who are really sharing the direction of an industry. Um, and and mm-hmm. sales reps themselves are not necessarily, that's not what their focus is. Their focus is, uh, should, is and should be uh, building relationships within their, their network. And uh, as an influencer, so I would agree with what Mario says, that as an influencer of their network, that makes more sense because uh, you can, you only really influence the network by building relationships with people and, you know, being, uh, sharing and, and, and engaging in relevant and engaging in educational content um, and conversations, I guess I should say. So Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I, I would agree that thought leaders and the thought leadership moniker should not really be applied to sales reps, subject matter experts, uh, perhaps. 
um, if they are very uh, deep into their particular, um, you know, product or uh, or industry or line of business, um, but also, you know, but definitely influencers in terms of understanding uh, how uh, what what problems can be can be solved and, and how they can be solved. Thank you, Kirsten. Really appreciate this. A uh, uh, very interesting part of our conversation, Barb Giamanco. Of course, we want to know what you think. Agree, disagree? Where on that scale is it a sliding scale of smart versus thought leader, curator versus influencer versus relationship builder? Are they all shades of the same thing and parts of a, of a 100% invested person in social selling? You know, actually, I, I don't think it's either or. I think it ends up being a little bit of both because the whole point of uh, leveraging content, whether it's your own or others, is because when you're trying to establish relationships, especially with C-level executives, you want to demonstrate that you really do understand their business challenges, what's happening in the market, some of the competitive pressures that they might be facing and that sort of thing. And so those are, you know, I think the term thought leadership, quite frankly, is just kind of overdone. And I think that uh, I think both Kirsten and Mario are right on in that we are working to build influence and demonstrate that we understand what a buyer cares about. And we do that through relevant and educational uh, content and conversations like we're having today and all that sort of thing. I think I think it's important just not to get hung up on the term um, and just focus on what's the real end game here, which is you are trying to influence by demonstrating that you're credible and capable and you understand what the cares about right Thank bottom line because once yep. you do that that's what leads to the sales outcome you're looking for which is to hopefully have a sales conversation with them and if you can do that um, you know if you can do those things to demonstrate to understand what they care about you definitely stand apart from the competition Thank you, Barb. What they care about, that's a very important phrase that's going to let me segue to something in Kirsten Boyleau's notes. Kirsten, we're almost ready for our predictions crystal ball round in about two minutes, but we have to get this in. You say cultural differences make a huge impact on how social selling is adopted in an organization. You say here in North America, everybody's social, everything's social, we share everything. But in other cultures, they don't see the need to share or sharing information can be dangerous. Can you elaborate just for for about a minute and a half on this, Kirsten, and then we'll go for predictions, please. Yeah, so I've been working recently um, with some some cultures in, in uh, you know different areas of the world, and it's and I've been getting a lot of pushback around that um, the, the putting themselves out there and and being visible and being social because in their background, uh, in their cultural history, um, having that exposure to the world has actually, in some cases, been dangerous. Um, and so they, uh, they're very hesitant um, just, you know, due to that, that history to actually want to share that information, be a bit human, share what kind of personality they are because they don't want people to know uh, that maybe they don't know. You know, they're, they're willing to share and they're very warm and friendly in a person-to-person kind of basis. But sharing it to the world where they don't know who might be looking at it, that is very scary for them. And so being, we have to be sensitive to that and, and, um, and modify the way that we um, a, teach the, the material that we're, or, and the, the concepts that we're trying to get across, but also modify the, the way that they actually um, uh, live out those different things, you know, from a branding standpoint, from a, from a sharing uh, standpoint, you know, from a... For, 
with a very concrete example, um, in Germany, it is very um, frowned upon to say, I am an expert. And uh, you would never say that. Um, and so we're here in North America, we often will talk about being experts in different things. And, and so, you know, to, we have to talk away, figure out a way to, to say something similar without being as overt as saying, I'm an expert in social selling. Uh, so just very interesting way of, you know, having to be sensitive to those cultures and having to, to modify what we're, what we're teaching and how we're applying it. Thank you. Very interesting. Shades of meaning. Buyer personas, work personas, culture personas. Barb, going back to you and Barb, it's very much time now for me to get your prediction. You know, I still love the year 2020, but it's coming at us very quickly. It's almost not the future. I think it's almost here already. Where can you see in the future what will change about this conversation, Barb? Our conversation topic, of course, is social selling adoption, how to make it happen. So predictions, Barb Giamanco, I can give you one full minute. Use it well. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> well, predictions always make me a little bit crazy because I don't know what's going to happen sometimes five minutes from now. But here's what I think. I think that if buyers don't, or excuse me, if, if sellers don't start shifting their behavior, sales leaders don't implement social selling programs by 2020, uh, predictions uh, like from Forrester are going to bear themselves out in that, you know, we're going to lose a lot of salespeople um, in, in terms of the profession. So, Uh, Will the topic be relevant? Yes, but I think it's going to get expanded to talk more about experience and what that means. And uh, and then when I think about the technology, I think we're definitely going to see some interesting things happen, certainly as as a result of what was just announced last week with Microsoft acquiring LinkedIn. So interesting times coming, no doubt. No doubt. And Kirsten, I think you're going to be doing a a whole show on social selling with game changers on that acquisition. Am I right? Were we discussing something like that? The impact? Yeah, Yeah, very, very good. Very timely. Can't wait for that. We'll be, I'll be, I'll be hosting and I'll be listening at the same time. Thank you, Barb Giamanco, Mario M. Martinez Jr. Mario, I can give you one full minute for your predictions. What do you see in the crystal ball? Well, uh, it's well, just like Mark said, <laughs> if, if you didn't hear about the acquisition of a $26 billion in cash <laughs> of LinkedIn by Microsoft, uh, then hear it now. And if you didn't think that there was something powerful behind uh, what LinkedIn's doing with social selling amongst other com- components of their business, I would say you're probably not here on, on in the planet Earth. <laughs> and so that having been said, in my opinion, if sales leaders, sales enablement leaders, and marketing leaders do not find ways to fund and develop their sales organization with alternate sales methodology, sales processing methodologies like social selling, then those leaders who are in those positions within two years will be irrelevant and they probably won't have a job. Uh, and I, that's a very strong statement, but I really am passionately believe that because we are, uh, our buyers have figured out how to ignore us, and we have to figure out how to get to them and how to map to the buyer's journey. And that's one way to do that is through social selling, and you've got to adopt that methodology. So that's my prediction uh, in terms of uh, if you don't adopt and if you haven't figured out that, the acquisition, well, should mean that you probably should be looking at this, like, now. 
<laughs> Thank you, Mario. Do you remember an episode of The Good Wife, uh, uh, Juliana Margulies' series that, that just went off the air, sadly, uh, about a couple months ago after seven really interesting years? And there was a judge who required every attorney, every litigator in, in I think it was um, a male judge, no, it was a woman, to say, in my opinion. And when the judge would strike down everything <laughs> an attorney would say, they would whisper to that, that attorney, you have to preface it by saying, in my opinion, and then the judge would listen. It was just a, a very, very interesting. So I'm glad you clarified in your opinion, Mario. Of course, you're here for your opinion and your insights and your smart observations. Kirsten Boylo, I saved, oh, less than a minute for you, 30 seconds. Predict for us. Kirsten, what's going on? <laughs> Well, in terms of our topic for today and growing social selling adoption for, um, you know, in the corporations and, and enterprise world, I think that uh, by by 2020, uh, most organizations will have adopted social selling uh, techniques in some manner. Whether they will have done it well remains to be seen, but I think everybody that by that point will have will understand that it's something that need to, they need to look at, whether or not they actually do it um, as well as we recommend is not necessarily to, is, is to be seen, I guess. Is to be seen. Thank you. And I can't wait for your episode on what we just discussed. Barb Giamanco, thank you so much. Maria Martinez, charming as usual. And thank you for your kind words. Kirsten Boylo at SAP, can't wait to see what's coming up on your series, Social Selling with Game Changers. Shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Game Changers Radio. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, especially if you're new to social selling. You're not going to sleep for a long time. What are you waiting? Go up. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.